How's everybody doing? <laughs> well, I count it all joy to be with you this morning. There's something really special to me about being able to get up in the pulpit as Pastor Bobby is away, getting refreshed and rejuvenated. It's even more of a humbling, joyful occasion for me when he asks me to continue in a series that he's involved in. Uh, it's pretty cool to get into his brain a little bit and to see his notes and then get total permission to do it the way that I want to do it and the way that I'm feeling led. That's a pretty cool moment for me, and that's a pretty exciting thing for me. So we're going to actually jump into Colossians chapter 3, and I'm going to do the first 11 verses this morning. But before we do that, I want to pray and then review just a little bit about where we are. Is that all right with everybody? All right, let's pray. Father, you're so good. You're so good, Lord, and we just take a minute right now to rest in your presence. Rest in who you are, what you've done, who we are in you, what we're becoming in you, where we're going with you. We take a second right now in this moment just to settle our minds, settle our hearts, settle the, the twitches that are in our planning right now, the things that we want to do this afternoon. Lord, we, we want to give you full reign to speak the way that you want to. So God, we just take a second right now just to rest in your presence, to recognize who you are and to lift you above our life, whether we know you completely or we're just getting to know you. We choose to, to take this moment to do that because sometimes, God, we need to put action to our faith. We need to put a step, even sometimes prophetically, to our faith to hear you, to see you, to know you more. And God, as a church this morning, we just rest right now. We set our mind on you. We set our heart on you. We set our passions on you. We set our day on you, and we thank you for it. In Jesus' name. This morning, I'm going to be talking about how to break free from your past. That's an exciting thing for me. I know that for many years I couldn't break free from my past. My past had a hold of me. I couldn't, I couldn't shake it. I couldn't turn left. I couldn't turn right. My past was my present, and I thought it was my future, and there was no way to get around it. So that's where we're going this morning. But before we do that, I want to just take a little bit of time to talk to you about what we've been talking about. We're on chapter 3 of Colossians. Pastor Bobby, for the last five weeks, have talked about the first two chapters. It's very in-depth, and one thing that we've learned together is when you get Jesus right, you get everything else right. When you see who Jesus is, you begin to know who you are, and then you begin to realize who you are and the way you're supposed to behave. So this morning, I'm talking about something that's a little bit difficult, but I want to talk to you about it in this way. When we look at Paul and what he talked about through this book in chapter uh, 2, verses 1, he talks about, see how earnestly I'm talking to you about this. He was so passionate about letting the people know before he wanted any further about the dynamics of how they should behave. He really talked about, hear how I'm so earnestly talking to you about this in this letter that you need to remember who Jesus is. You need to remember who Jesus is and what Jesus has done and who you are in Jesus. And he went on further three times in that chapter to say, do not let anyone take you captive. Do not let anyone judge you. Do not let anyone disqualify you. And he was talking, of course, about the rituals and things that we do as human beings when we start putting weight on the things that we do in Christianity. Listen, I need to tell you something this morning a little bit candidly. When I see the church, and I've been in the church a little while, and I've worked in the church a little while, it's very easy for us to start looking at special knowledge, special behaviors that make us a little bit more like Jesus. We begin to think because we're in an organization or we're with a group of people that that's what's going to make us holy. That's what's going to make us change. Paul really went out of his way to let us know 
But that's not the change he's talking about. This isn't a group think because I want you to change or you want me to change or what is right or what is wrong. Knowing those things is going to cause you to change. Paul's talking about something much, much deeper about that. He's talking about a change that only God can bring. He's talking about a change that only God can bring about. And as we explore this this morning, I want you to have that in your focus. I want you to have that in what you're looking at this morning. That what Jesus did was enough. What Jesus did on the cross was enough for you, and it was enough for me. And as we walk into Colossians chapter 3, I want you to realize that these things that we're talking about, a lot of times this chunk of scripture, when we're doing expository teaching and preaching, this is the chunk of the book that people just skip over because they've run out of time in the message. So Pastor Bobby really was awesome and kind to give me these 11 verses to talk to you about this morning. But as I talk to you about them, and as we're walking through this, I want to help you look at three ways where we can learn together to focus, where we can shift our focus, where we can shift our mind, and we can let God set our mind on the things that he wants us to view. Amen? All right, so the first area I want you to to shift your focus is focusing up. And I'm going to jump right into Colossians chapter 3, verses 1. Since then, Paul presupposes that Something has happened to us. The people that are reading this letter, something's already happened to them. It's not necessarily since or therefore, but it's definitely happened to the people. They have been raised in Christ. I don't know about you, there's many things I can do, but I can't raise myself up from the dead. I can't raise my spirit up from the dead. I can't raise myself up from those things that have caused me to die. But since we've been raised up in Christ... We begin to set our mind and our hearts on the things above, where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God, set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ Jesus. When Christ is your life, when he appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. I want to talk to you a little bit about what it means to die. You might be in this room, and you might have been in Jesus a long time. Maybe you were born into the church. Maybe you were born into a family that knew God. And it's such a beautiful thing. For me, I really relate to the first century church because I'm a first-generation believer. When I came to Christ, no one in my family really served God. No one really did the things that they should in God. But when I came to Christ, I began to realize how dead I was, how dead I was to my past, how dead I was to the things that I was currently engaged in, and really how dead I was to the future if Christ didn't do something dramatic in my life. So as I read these scriptures to you, I want you to really grab a hold of the fact that we were really supposed to die when we came to Christ. Now, I know we want to dwell in what Jesus did. I know we want to dwell in what what Jesus has done to us. But the one thing that Jesus did to all of us is when we're really in him, we're dead. We're dead to those things that cause us not to behave the way that we should behave in Christ. We're dead to the things that are causing us to be a little bit stinky. And the first century church was taught, like a lot of us are taught, that you can come on a Sunday and you don't have to change. There doesn't have to be anything tangible that happens to you. You can come to the altar, you can leave your gift, you can come on Sunday and you can be the most beautiful person on a Sunday, but then when you leave, you can just behave however you want to. These things that I'm about to list are very hard to list. They cause people to stir and to get up and to have to go to the bathroom because they don't want to hear them. But I want to share them with you today because in this place of grace, in this this building of grace, in this community of grace, 
we're all learning how to, to walk away from judgment, but also at the same time, license to behave however we want to. And we're trying to find that middle ground, which is real, true Christianity, the liberty that we can all have in Christ. We don't want to be judgmental. We don't want everyone pointing fingers at everyone. But we also don't want to lean to the other way, where whatever you want to do in Christ is fine. You can behave however you want to. There's a tension that we have to live in, and that tension keeps us right down in the middle, which is liberty. And that liberty that we can find together is really what makes the church unique. You're not here today, and you're not remaining here today because I'm an amazing guy and I told you to change. Something's going on on the inside of you that's beyond what you can even fathom. Something's going on in the inside of you that makes you think, wow, this is, this is worth pursuing. This is worth stepping out. I work with people all the time, uh, young people, older people, middle-aged people, and the common thread that kind of guides all these people together is they really want to know where that line is, that line is of right and, right and wrong, and they want to walk right on that line. They want to just kind of shimmy on it, you know? They want to walk through it, put their hands out maybe, and make it somehow, make it, make it somehow they can get past it. But for me, when I came to Christ and I saw how, how distinct that line was, I ran from that line. I ran from that line, not because I'm better than the people that I work with today, but because I know what it's like to fall off that line. I know what it's like to be completely out of control and not know how to walk a right life. And so when I talk to people about the way that God intends us to live, they want to know where that line is, but it's not so they can avoid it. It's so they can dance on it. And it's something for me that's very hard to understand. But in a diverse group like this, if I was to put microphones up here on the stage, and in a moment when I read these things, and I asked you to come up to represent those specific things that Paul is listing, we'd all begin to come up and take our place behind these microphones. Because these things that Paul is about to list are very generic, but they were alive and active in the Colossians church. They were behaving this way together, but they're also behaving this way when they're at their workplace, in their home, in their relationships. So as Paul was earnestly desiring for them, for them to hear him out, he said to them, I, I need to list a few things. I need to list a few behaviors that I know that you're acting like. And I need you to realize that that's not why Christ died for you. Christ didn't die for you to remain in these things. Christ didn't die for you so you can behave the way that you're behaving. And he needed to call them out the way that he called them out because in that century and even today, most people don't want to admit that these things are, are not in our pursuit of holiness. They're not in the things that God wants for us. So let me read a couple of those for you. Focusing in. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. Now I come from a, a state, Washington state, if you didn't know, that teaches even at a grade school level that, that you should pursue your base instincts. You should pursue those things that make you human being. You should pursue those animal instincts that are raw and guttural and who you really are. It's in pursuing those things that you're going to really discover who you are. And the more I walk out Christianity, the more I see that that tension really does exist in the world, this scripture becomes alive to me to put to death those things that are your earthly base instinct isn't a casual, timid request. And I don't know, you might be like me in this room. I know what it's like 
to have to put something to death in my life that I've been practicing. I know what it's like to put to death a sin that has a hold of you that can't, you can't shake it. And something miraculous happens to us when we come to Jesus. We gain that power to say no. We begin to gain that power and that ability to say, you know what? This sin is no longer going to control me. This sin is no longer going to have the right in my life. That's not who I am. And so as we look at Colossians 1 and Colossians 2, and now into Colossians chapter 3, we begin to see the importance of understanding who Jesus was and is and who we are in Jesus. And now this behavior starts to shift. And we have to really grasp the first 11 verses in order for us to go further in chapter 3 and chapter 4. Chapter 3 and chapter 4, just to give you a little sneak peek, is how we view other people, how we behave husband and wife, how we behave in a community, how we treat those that don't know Jesus yet. But until we can get there, until we can grasp these first few things, it's impossible to behave correct. In fact, what you usually do if you don't have these first things first is you begin to judge the world or you begin to give the world license to do whatever the world wants to do. You haven't found that liberty. We haven't found that liberty that we walk in in Christ and then we can't offer that to the world. So oftentimes you'll see Christians wanting so desperately to reach out into the world, but they'll do one of two things. They'll either give people license or they'll give people uh, judgment. And that's not the way that we are as Christians. When you walk someone into Christianity, Colossians is a great way to do that. Get Jesus first. Get Jesus right first. When you get Jesus right first, you begin to see who you are, and then you're going to be able to start behaving correctly. So put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. Those that don't know Christ, those that aren't in Christ, these are just natural, base instinct behaviors that manifest in their life. Before I was in Jesus, these things just manifested in my life. It's that core of who you are before you're, you're ignited by the Spirit of God. Before God really grabs a hold of you, these things just are who you are. And until someone can teach you that these aren't who you are anymore, that what Jesus did on the cross was enough, and who you are because of what Jesus did on the cross has started to change these things, these remain who you are. So you actually see in this scripture that this church was behaving this way. There was sexual morality and impurity and lust and evil desires and greed and idolatry active in all the members. We just read in verse 1 that these people were dead and now alive in Christ, but they're still behaving this way. So as we walk out these things, this is where I want to in a, in a grace-filled environment with you is for us to find out that liberty. Because listen, there's things that I struggle with. There's things that you struggle with. There's things that you're growing through and that I'm growing through. And in this environment, we're so vastly different that I can't look at you and judge you or give you license, but I can help you find that liberty. You can't look at me and judge me or, or give me a license to do whatever I want to do, but you can help me find that liberty where that growth point really is. And that's what's one of the most spectacular things when a, when a church is alive in Christ and really sees who Jesus is and they begin to see who they really are in Jesus, behavior just starts to change. When I hold you accountable and you hold me accountable, some of this stuff takes a long time to get free from. 
Some of this stuff takes counseling, prayer ministry. Some of this stuff takes one-on-one accountability that goes beyond just a prayer group. Some of this stuff goes really, really deep. But until you and I can call it for what it is, we can't even go there. We avoid it. And instead of me touching it, I just judge you or I give you a license just to keep doing it for as long as you want to keep doing it. And that's not what Jesus wants us to do. That's not how God wants us to behave. So in this grace-filled environment, hear me out. I'm not judging anyone and I'm not giving anyone a license. I'm inviting there to be a third solution, which is that liberty that only Christ can have. Amen? You used to walk in these ways in the life that you once lived, but now you must also rid yourself of such things. Are you ready for this list? Anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other. As someone that's really big into legacy and speaking life and watching the seeds of life grow from my words, I love the fact that I live in a home where my wife and my children love me. And you know how I can see that they really love me? It's the little stuff. In the middle of the night, maybe one in the morning, when I get a urging because I'm watching TV and I go to the cabinet and my favorite box of cookies is in the cabinet, man, I knew that I did something right. That is a, that's a cool moment when you realize you didn't even have to ask for it and someone chose to put a box of cookies in there that you loved. That's a great moment. And you might be able to, you might be able to relate to this. How about when you're driving down the road and a car cuts you off and your kid from the back seat quotes you so eloquently and you realize that even your bad things manifest and grow. Us together, us, can, us together can reproduce our, our greatness or our worst, worst thing. And as we walk out these things, I, I, my heart breaks for this list. Because this wasn't just a random list. This wasn't just a list of stuff that was happening outside the walls of the church or happening in weird, obscure places. This was rampant. This was actually stopping this Colossians church from growing into who Paul knew they could become. This was that area that if they didn't confront it and they didn't talk about it and they didn't walk through it, that they couldn't grow together. They couldn't begin to reach outside the walls because it was that much of a poison inside their church. And today, we can learn a lot about these lists because you and I have stuff that we're growing through. If you're in this room today and there's something in your life that's nagging at you and hurting you and stopping you and not allowing you to become who God's called and it's no longer going to be there in heaven, why don't you lift up your hand for me? Yeah, all over the room. We all got stuff. We all got stuff, and I don't, I don't stink any worse than anyone else in the room. But I'm telling you that I'm not in relationship with people for them just to say, don't worry about it, Todd. Don't worry about it, man. You just keep doing that. Everyone's got issues. Everyone's got problems. And I'm not in relationship with people so they can yell at me all day long because I'm not all the way there. I know I'm not all the way there. 
But together, we can find that liberty that can get us all there. I'm called to live a life of holiness. I'm called to live a life of righteousness. And just like that song just reminds me so much of the 90s, and it's such a deep well for me because of what was going on in the church at that time. When we learn to let God take our mind, take our heart, and take our will, everything just begins to change. Our behavior begins to change. And when our behavior begins to change with each other, everything flips upside down. And I'm getting ahead of myself just a little bit. Since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge, in the image of its creator. Church, I know what it, what it feels like to wear that dirty clothes. You know? That thing that just made me feel worthless and weak and alone and hopeless and fatherless and orphaned and, and just so deeply twisted that nothing mattered anymore. Life didn't matter. Wishing to die. I know what that cloak, that garment feels like. And I know what it feels like to to feel that garment fall off and to be naked before Jesus and then for him to put on a garment of royalty on me. No human can, being can do that. No human being can do that for you or for me. And I love the church, but the church is a byproduct of a healthy relationship with Christ. Those freedom points, those freedom things that are going to break through for you, it's not because you attend a church. It's not because you recognize that there's a special festival happening. It's not because you recognize this or that. It's because you understand that Jesus is enough. What Jesus did on the cross has caused you to change how you look at things. You're no longer viewing them at, through your base instinct, stuck on the earth looking up. Now everything's flipped where you have, have the knowledge of God. And everything you see now is from that viewpoint where you no longer see God as this removed person, maybe how you saw him at one time. You see him as an accessible, loving, caring father. And when you really see the father for who he is, you begin to see who you really are. Loved and cared for and renewed and special and with a hope and with a dream and with the ability to live the life that you're supposed to live. And then when you begin to see that, then you'll be able to see how other people really are seen by the Father. And this leads me to the last. I talked about focusing up, focusing in, and the third place to focus, and that's focusing out. I watched a documentary last night, and I've got to be honest with you, it, it stopped me in my tracks. It was about a musician in the D.C. area, an African-American man, and since the 90s, he'd been trying to answer the question, why do you hate me if you've never met me? And he, he's made it his life work to go around the United States and to meet with members of the Ku Klux Klan. And since the 90s, he has collected 28, 29 Grand Dragon robes from the Ku Klux Klan, from these men who became his friend that chose to no longer be 
and the Ku Klux Klan. They chose to sit down with him, and because he just cared for them and talked to them and definitely didn't agree with them, but still sat with them, all these lives have changed, some to the point where huge chapters of the Ku Klux Klan in those areas have closed because they no longer have leadership. As I was preparing for this message and I was watching this last night, it was one of those things that you just accidentally watch. You're not really thinking about it. But I saw how much it fit with the passion I've been feeling specifically about verse 11. Specifically because I see a lot of times in the church, and once again, this is a grace environment. I'm not talking about judgment or license, but I'm talking about liberty. I've watched in a Christian environment where it's become almost a competition to become more righteous than the other person. More less, less encumbered by sin than the other person. And somehow we've, we've broken, broken the link that we're really supposed to see with our Father in heaven. So as I read this scripture to you, I really want you to hear what Paul was talking about. We're talking about a first century church that was so divided in the natural with wealthy people, non-wealthy people, different races, different genders, different upbringing, different people groups. It was so divided that it couldn't be unified. It's things that we face today as a church. It's not foreign to us. It's not unusual to us. But let these words just speak to you. And I pray that they touch you the way they touched me the last couple of weeks as I've been preparing for this. Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free. But Christ is all and is in all. There is no dividing point of, of race, of gender, of economic status. It's not who Christ is. And we as a body of believers begin to grow in those things when we shift the way that we see the Father. See, this world has a massive identity crisis because they don't see the Father for who the Father is. So in turn, they don't see who they are and then they prejudge everyone else that they see because they don't see who the Father is. They don't see how the Father sees them. And they certainly don't take the time to see other people as the way the Father sees them. So this morning, as we prepare to go into the next part of this book, which is great, it's all the things that you take on now as, as Christians. It's not all the things that you lay down. It's all the things that, that separate us because of the love of God. But in order to get there, we have to talk about these things that we're wearing. We have to talk about these things that have become normal in us. For some reason, when we died in Christ, we didn't let him change our clothes all the way. And we're still holding on to those things. I want to leave you with this last story. And it's one of my favorite stories because it involves Peter. And I really can relate to the guy. Peter was one of one of the apostles that just for some reason didn't get it. Every time that God needed to speak to him, it was always three times. It was always, it was always more than once because for some reason it just didn't get through that thick head of his. We join him on a rooftop in Acts chapter 10 when God chose to speak to him through a vision. The Spirit of God spoke to him through a vision. And in this vision we see a sheet descending from heaven. And you've got to understand the context of this. Peter was locking himself up. He, he wasn't doing the Great Commission. He wasn't going and doing the things that God had, had called the people to do in that great day of Pentecost. 
when Jesus said, go and make disciples of all nations. He did what most of the apostles and the disciples of that time, they just sat and waited even after they were filled with the endowment of power from on high to go and do the work of Christ. So as the sheet was descending and Peter saw on the sheet the things that were clean and unclean, and maybe he was hungry and maybe God was just speaking to him that way, I'm not really sure, but he began to just ponder in his mind what was good and what wasn't good. And the Spirit of God said to him three times, what I've called clean, don't call dirty. Now you'd think that God in his, all his power and his glory would speak to Peter in a way, in a, non, in, a, in a religious way, because that's who Peter was. But he wanted to, him to be broken free of that thing. So, so Peter said out loud, wait a second, I can't touch those things. That's not me. That's not me. I, I don't taste. I don't eat. I don't touch. I, I'm, I'm a holy man. I'm set apart. And the sheet went back up. And God did this three times. And then there was a knock on the door. And that knock was so significant because it was actually a Gentile coming to Peter's door saying, hey, I heard you had some news for me. I heard you had something to tell me. And it was at that moment that Peter was able to say, I I, I perceive that God is not a respecter of persons. I perceive that there is no difference between you and me. I perceive that God has done something so great in you that now I can call you my brother. Even though you're not from my part of town, even though you're not from my race and my religion, God is doing something so dynamic in you that I recognize it. So this morning as we close, I just want to reemphasize what I talked about today in in Colossians chapter 3. And I want you to take away these three things. That God will change what you focus on. He will. Sometimes it takes a long time. There's some things in me that I know that my wife wish would just would hurry up. There's some things to me that some friends I know that between you and I, I wish it would just hurry up in their life. Maybe you can relate to that. Some people I really love, some people I really walk with, I don't get it. But you know, and I'm not going to stop walking with them. But I'm not going to let them just do whatever they want to do. And I'm not going to judge them to the point where they don't hang out with me anymore. I want them to find that liberty and that freedom. In the areas I've found it, there's nothing like it. I need some grace in the areas where I'm still growing in, though. And as a community, as believers, as a, as a Christian church, that's who we are. That's who we are for each other. And that's why we've been spending so much time in this book of Colossians. Because we need to get Jesus first. And then we need to realize when we get Jesus first, we begin to understand that, man, I'm not all put together, am I? I still got some stuff. And when we can call that stuff what it is, we begin to walk it out. And then we begin to see each other the way that God does. We begin to reach outside of ourselves and to really be who God's called us to be. And in that environment, that's when people start coming and knocking on our doors and saying, you know what? There's just something different about you. There's something different about who you are. I don't get it, but I want to know what it is. Would you tell me about it? Would you rise with me for a second? I'm going to pray over you. Prayer teams, if you want to come forward.
This morning, I asked you to do something that's, that's really tough. First of all, listen to me talk for 30 minutes. That can be tough. Second of all is to really look at where you are at, what your focus is on, what you're seeing, what you're walking out in this Christianity. And, and I get it. It's hard. It's hard because you know what? We're, we got one foot in the base things of this world. We got one foot in the things that just this world wants us to be in. And for all intents and purposes, that thing that has a hold of us controls the way we think and feel and behave and look upon. But I'm asking you to do something different. I'm asking you to change the way you focus. If you don't know the Father that way, if you don't really know the Father that way, if you've never really experienced Jesus that way, you can't break free of these things that are holding on to you, brothers and sisters. You can't. It's when you see Jesus who Jesus really is. You see those things for what they really are. And then you realize that it's old clothes that you're not supposed to be wearing anymore. And they become even more stinky. They become even more vile to you. And you no longer want them in your life. You want the newness that only God can bring. So this morning as you focus up and focus in and focus out, Let God do something dynamic in your life. Let God change your generational line. Because remember, every time you get over something and you get a victory in it, it's not just for you. It's for everyone that you see, everyone that you touch, everyone that you walk with, your children and your children's children. Sometimes down into 10 generations away from you begin to feel it. That's my story. That's what God did in my life. It's not something I made up or worked up or conjured up. The instant I came to know Christ, it began to break free into my family's lives. My mom and my sisters and now their children and now my grandson. Their generational line is different because of what God did in my life. And I can give him glory for that and I can praise him for that. It's only when my focus changed and I saw who he really was. I began to see who I really am. And now I can begin to start that process of seeing people the way God sees people. Pray with me this morning. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your truth. God, there is nothing without you. There is no freedom. There is no sustained freedom. There is no life without you. So I pray for each person that hears my voice right now, God, that you would become alive in them beyond a shadow of a doubt in every area of their life that they would see you and feel you and know you at a level that they never have before. God, I speak to those things in their life that they're struggling with, and I pray for a release. I pray for a release over their lives. God, not to live in judgment, not to live with a license, but to find the liberty that only you can bring. God, we worship you, and we put you at that place in our life that you deserve to be. Thank you, Lord. We thank you for this life. We thank you for this moment. And God, I pray if there's anyone in this room this morning that needs to take a step closer to you in any of these areas, God, that they would come forward. We thank you, Lord, for today. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. Let me just reiterate that. I don't want to speak a blessing, but if you don't know the Lord today, please come forward and pray with one of these uh, teams up here. If you are just away from the Lord, you're not where you need to be with God, don't leave this place without coming forward having 
someone agree with you in prayer. If you just need agreement over an area of your life, please do so. These guys are, are here to just to stand in agreement with you and pray with you. Let me speak a blessing over you today. Scripture says, the pure in heart shall see God. I bless you this week to be able to see God for who He is. A fresh revelation of who God is. As you see Him, may you see how God created you. Who He's designed you to be. Who He's called you to be. And may you begin to see others through His eyes. I bless you with the joy of the Lord. May the joy of the Lord be your strength this week. I bless you with the peace of God. May the peace of God that passes all understanding be a guard about your heart and mind. I bless you with the love of God. Scripture says it's the love of God that calls us to repentance. It's the love of God that's been lavished on us. It's God that loved us before we could love Him. May the love of God permeate every aspect of your life this week. May it cover every conversation, every thought, every word, everything you do may be covered by God's love and grace this week. God bless you. Have a wonderful week.